So many memories have come flooding back. I put the song on repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails the feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we all just stopped talking and just stared at the radio. Like, what is that? It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it. I love that song so much. Box. Meet people through their music with Ash Berdebez on FBI. Big thanks to Alex Pye for taking care of your mornings once again in great style and the last track she left you with was Girl Pool and on Out of the Box today my guest is someone who interviews people left, right and centre, largely from the art, music and design worlds through over a decade with Triple J's The Sound Lab and through shows like Sunday Arts and By Design on ABC and formerly the movie show on SBS. But we kind of don't really get to hear from her very often. It's Fenella Kernavone. Hi. Good to have you on Out of the Box, Fenella. I'm, I'm really happy to be out of the box, <laughs> playing music, coming out of the box, the whole thing. Good to be here, Ash. Hi. Good to have you, <laughs> especially because, I mean, you know, maybe maybe safe isn't the right word, but you're a very safe choice when it comes to music for FBI. I think you have a... Why is that? Well, you have you have a similar taste to the station, and this is ah. evidenced by your new podcast, which is actually um, employing some of the darlings of the FBI I did. I've, I've hired one one amazing person <laughs> called Selena Shannon who works on a bunch of shows uh, just, to, just to help me out because one of the things... I, I have a lot of projects that I do at the moment. I'm pretty busy. But I can't organise a, can I say this, like a piss up in a brewery. Like I just, I just, I just get so, I'm like completely like classic Gemini, if, if you believe in that kind of stuff. There's always about a million ideas all going at once. And I thought the only way I'm actually going to achieve something is if I work with somebody else. I, I love collaborating. You need pressure. A little bit of pressure, but also I love collaborating. I think it's one of the greatest uh, ways that you can do creative projects. You can do it on your own and that's fantastic. And if you're successful at that and that's what you do, I'm amazed and you're wonderful and you get, you know, gold stars. I love working with other people. You could so, have a soundboard yeah. for yeah, your ideas Yeah, it's good to have a soundboard. Well. It's also just really nice to kind of just have a reason and someone saying, right, are you ready? And I go, great, yes, let's do it. So that's that's kind of uh, how I thought I would get track work out of the bag. And, that you know, so, so far it's doing okay. I'm happy about it. And more than more than having Selena Shannon working on uh, track work, you've had some FBI loves like Fishing and Caitlin Park and Drew Carey and Collarbones on the show already on the podcast. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about the specifics behind track work? What's the idea? Well, it's, I mean, it's not a terribly, I mean, it's something that I've been thinking about doing for a really long time. So, and, and back in the day on Triple J, I used to do a segment that was very similar to it. So it's not terribly new in terms of an idea. And there are other podcasts that are out there that are fantastic that do a kind of similar idea. There's, you know, you, there's probably shows on FBI that have done similar kind of themes before. So what it is, is you simply just get one artist in each episode to talk about one track of their choosing usually and then try and get an understanding of how they built that track so how they created it and crafted it and, and actually go down into the details of of the production so it's a it's a someone described it as a musical vivisection <laughs> and I thought that's a kind that's of a great. really great way of talking about it so it's sort of a bit of a nerdy music production process podcast for someone like me who adores music but also for people who are creating music so you might even be thinking about crafting music yourself you might be on Reason or Ableton Live or maybe you've got a bunch of really cool synths or something like that it's that kind of thing or you could be a songwriter I don't or you know. might have no talent at all and you, you might, just want to make music you when just you hear want to the make podcast music. yeah yeah and it, 
and it could be a thing that you get some great ideas about. So yeah, and basically, you know, obviously talking to the artist, they talk and they love it too because it's a chance to really hone in on the track and and obviously spending so much time working on one song. Sometimes they don't in interviews get a chance to think about that sort of stuff. It might be more broad, like, you know, how's your tour going? Tell me about the gig. Yeah, a bit more personality-based, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. story-based. this Absolutely. is actually truly about the craft of, of writing a song or making a track. And then, of course, we play the track at the end. And its focus uh, is on Australian artists. So that's it. It's called Track Work, and I'm really loving it. I'm up to episode – I'm, I'm going to post, if I get my um, self together, I'll post the next episode. Episode 7 is with Friendships, who are a Melbourne audiovisual duo uh, and that they'll be on uh, the next episode which I think I'm going to do today Ash. I'm looking so forward to it because I've listened to all of them so far and now I'm like what do I listen to? (laughs) (laughs) Oh oh, yeah I better get onto it then. That's the great great thing about podcasts I mean it's really good to be kind of regular about the whole thing but you know life gets in the way Yeah, I know. Well you can just go this is a series and now it's over which is like I'm just having a holiday. I'm having exactly. (laughs) Different to radio. Yes exactly a series. That sounds good. I'm doing doing a series. This is the first series. Okay so let's take our first song for the show and it's from Caitlin Park which yes. is one of the uh, one of the artists who you've had on track work track work and oh it was such a good episode I can't recommend enough that you <laughs> subscribe and listen to it because there's so much more to certain songs than you realize when you listen to them on the radio you take them as just a you know a sound and maybe some good lyrics but there's a whole lot going on behind this song wake up in a whir and Caitlin Park is she's definitely one of my favorite singer-songwriters. I adore how she puts her tracks together. She's heavily heavily influenced by the book. She brings all these beautiful kind of layers into her songs and she has the most incredible voice. It's just like velvet, it's like syrup. So yeah, this this is a favorite song of mine from her most recent album, The Sleeper. Right up. Peace and babes that cannot admit it 
never ever 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 do that again so reflecting on uh, on that song Wake Up in a Whir by Caitlin Park, Vanilla Kernabone is on my show and she's made a, a podcast called Trackworks. It's got uh, about six, seven episodes out now. Six episodes, episode seven. When I'm, If I'm a good girl, Ash comes out today. I okay? believe in you. Yeah, d- It's all that's keeping need, me going. I need confidence. <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> but yeah, so reflecting on that song now that you've actually done the episode with Caitlin Park, what are some things that you didn't know about that song before you had made that episode with Caitlin? Well, I mean, I knew that a lot of the music that, uh, she does when it comes to, to writing as in, involves field recordings, I suppose. Uh, but the one thing I didn't really get a sense of was obviously, you know, I listen to so much electronic music, I hate, hate to say, so it's really lovely to be able to talk to someone about lyrics and how important lyrics happen to be. And in the episode, she talks not only about the recording of some of the samples that you hear. So you can hear that guy in that episode, uh, in that song, he's going right up right up so she talks about that she went to New York or London or something like that and recorded a dude who was selling t-shirts on the street and the way that she manages to kind of filter and weave that into the production is really I think quite smooth and really and really gentle and beautiful but at the same time it kind of marries with these sort of wonderful lyrics which um, we're talking and she talks about it in the episode it talks about a kind of a domestic violence situation Uh, and you kind of just don't really I sometimes I just don't listen to the lyrics Mm. very closely and so it's wonderful to have that opportunity to hear an artist uh, talking quite deeply about the meaning behind a song and it just makes me stop reminds me to stop and and pay attention and I think and that to me is the power of music why I adore music and particularly hearing artists uh, talk about why they do something I think is uh, incredibly valuable particularly as as a listener really. And you've had a lot of experience with that through your work with the Sound Lab over a decade. I, I know. On that fantastic show. Yes, J. 11 years. Amazing. Yes. It was, yeah, can you believe it? Yeah, so many <laughs> so many interviews would have come and gone, hundreds of interviews in the time that you've been doing that show, yes. I'm sure. And um, do you do you have any fond memories of particular interviews, you know, perhaps people that you end up staying friends with? There, look, there are a bunch of people that I have uh, stayed friends with over the years. There's some, I mean, if I think back towards the earlier days of the show, I built a couple of really strong friendships. One with um, a guy who's just gone overseas. He's one of, I think, Australia's premier sound artists, a guy called Lawrence English. Uh, he was just playing in Sydney recently. So he's, he, he runs this label called Room 40, and he's one of those people that has always been incredibly supportive of the experimental sound scene. So electronic music, but I suppose stuff that kind of exists on, on, on the boundaries and on, on skirts the edges, which I've always um, supported and always loved. So that's, and you know, it's kind of that sort of ambient, weird, beautiful stuff. So kind of perfect for the, the Sunday night show that I, I did for all those years, Ash. So um, many So years. people like Lawrence have always been a bit of a stalwart for me and I Mm -hmm. adore his music and he's always worked with a bunch of really interesting artists and you know this is a guy who's been doing this for quite some time now so very supportive so he's brought out artists like David Toop and and, and Scanner and and DJ Olive and a bunch of other artists like that over the years so this is that's kind of early on Um, another really beautiful friendship that I um, developed because of the show and actually previous to that I I hosted the art show on on Triple J there was an art show um, on Triple J um and that was a guy called Craig Shufton, and he's a he's obviously you, yeah you know he was his on the show yeah. yeah exactly so Craig's a great a really great friend of mine too and he used to come on um, the Sound Lab and talk very deeply almost like track work actually he used to do a similar kind of thing as the podcast with me I I got him on to do it so to talk about some of the real sort of the detail that goes into the crafting of a particular track so there's a there's a you know those I mean these are kind of the ones that I'm talking about that have become friends because of talking to them on the radio I think it's there's countless other ones. 
Yeah. yeah. With music, it's like, you know, when someone likes to say music is you and you're really into music, it's kind of like, you get me. It's yes. not just music that we have in common. Yeah, you yeah, get yeah. Me. And you go and you just go to the pub and you drink beer and you talk about stuff that you can't talk about with a lot of other, you know, a lot of other friends. Totally. You can just sit there and say, let's talk about Steve Reich or music concrete or something that, you know, you probably would sound like a complete tosser if anybody <laughs> overheard it. But there's just those one or two people that you go, right, you're really, we're hey. in the same spot. Yeah. You know, Craig Schriften bring on a bring on a uh, Steve Wright track when he? he came on the show, I and it was not a wank. Oh, you, we we <laughs> we're not going to play it. We're yeah. not going to play it. I know. I was like, there's oh. so much to get through. I'm sorry, it must have been a torturous process trying to narrow down yes. all the tracks from those. That's yeah, so much fun. Of, what a great oh, idea. Totally. Yeah. yeah, send you whirling into your past. <laughs> um, so with with the sound lab, there's also the you know the chance that sometimes guests won't show up. Guests that you really really like. Mm. Did you ever have someone not show up for an interview that uh, you're a yeah, huge fan of? I know what you're about to get to. Um, Aphex Twin. So he's like uh, Aphex Twin. If I'm thinking about about my adoration of electronica, and I don't know if you we can go into this, but I started off doing community radio as well. I actually did a show. Yeah, we on, can go into that. Yeah, okay. Well, I did a community radio show um, for years. I worked at 2SER uh, in Sydney and that was a station that introduced me, took me away from my grunge music obsession that I had in the early days. And then all of a sudden I discovered, you know, the world of electronic music and I met a lot of, and that put on a lot of great parties and it was really, really fun. So I I, I was introduced to artists like Aphex Twin and, and Boards of Canada and, you know, the Warp label, I suppose, and a bunch of things like that. And I remember hearing this uh, album, Selected Ambient Works from Aphex Twin, you know, way back when and just, fell deeply, deeply in love with ambient music and with that kind of melodic electronic sound. And I, I mean, this particular album continues to be a soundtrack to my life. But uh, yeah, Aphex Twin's one of those guys that when I listened to it, I suddenly went, right, this is this is actually, this makes a lot of sense to me. And it also, for me, it comes from a tradition, obviously from electronic music, but also there's a, because it's ambient and it's a, it gives that sense of soaring, you know, the, the sound, you know, almost like cinematic um, mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah. That, that to me, of course, has a sort of a classical um, feeling to it as well. So there's a certain yeah. sort of journey or trajectory that takes you to that point. So yeah, Aphex Twin, hugely influential. I don't think if I had ever listened to this album originally, I would ever had got a gig on Triple J or, you know, maybe perhaps ever had done the sound lab. So purely, I, I, I would credit him. He never, bas- yeah, basically, I'm get to the story. I'm going around <laughs> in circles. I was meant to interview him. He was here for the big day out years ago. He was playing with Luke Vibert. He was meant to show up. I was on the radio. I was ringing the publicist, ringing, ringing, ringing. And I was like, I want to talk to him. I just desperate and he never showed up oh and the, you know and that Did was he ever okay. apologize no i don't think i, I don't think richard d you know, james I've, apologizes does he i think he you know <laughs> i've never been more terrified or you know more confident that i was going insane yeah than when you know how you used to have like i think rage through the hours of the night you had some you know on abc you'd have music videos and then window liquor came on which is awesome. the one where he's got his face transposed yeah. onto these women and it's just Comes daddy the same. Yeah. Oh, it's so terrifying. I thought it was going nuts. It's still nuts. scary. It's, it's scary, scary today. But if you haven't seen it, Window Liquor and Come to Daddy from Aphex Twin, uh, a bit after this era that from the song you're about to play, um, they're amazing. We'll give you nightmares. Amazing, perfect, perfect <laughs> nightmares. They are groundbreaking music videos. Absolutely. Chris Cunningham. All right, here we go. It's Aphex Twin on FBI. Out of the box, Fenella Kernabone is my guest today.
on FBI 94.5. A much less creepy song by Aphex Twin. Have I sold you, Ash? A little bit, Are you yeah. into it? I'm, I'm into it now. Yeah, See, this feels... Tower, that one, from Selected Ambient Works, yeah. 8592. Beautiful. It's definitely, it's one to float around in a hot air balloon to. Yeah, you know? that's a great idea. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're on. You book it. <laughs> one o'clock as soon as we I will. wrap I'm gonna it up. I'll be so disappointed we'll be if you don't skies. show up. <laughs> no, I'm there. I'm there. I'm in the basket. Yeah. <laughs> so Aphex Twin would have been would have been huge when you were younger. Yes. When this is first coming out, quite groundbreaking. Still mm. quite groundbreaking. Yeah. Do you remember seeing... Did you see Aphex Twin live? I have seen Aphex Twin live a few times. Um, and even in the last five or six years, if I recall. I, I Look, to be honest, his DJ sets lately are banging. They're noisy. Like, it's mm-hmm. hardcore acid. <laughs> to the point where <laughs> I go, I love you so much, but my ears hurt. And that's, you know... But that's... Yeah, you need to be in the right frame of mind. Well, you know, look, whatever. I think music needs to either challenge you or, or make you truly happy, whatever it is. But if you're, be, if you're being challenged, then that, that's and a challenge in a good way. Um, I think you should stick at it and stick with it. So, yes, he's endlessly challenging. His new album, I, I can't remember the name of it, which is terrible, I do apologise, is um, is quite remarkable too. It's I can't remember it either. Yeah, that's Sorry, okay. Letting we'll just the pretend. whole team down. Tweet, tweet us. Yeah, <laughs> just text it in on 0409 So... We've got a track to take from a band that I don't know of, Biff Tech. Ah, you don't and, know them? Uh, no, not until now. Okay. Now that I know them, I will never forget because right. a young Fenella Kernabone <laughs> is in one of their music videos. Yeah, that's right. So, um, this, I mean, it's great to do and to play some songs because it's good to be able to go back and, you know, be a bit nostalgic and think about the music that has been influential. And Biff Tech uh, was a duo of Nicole Skelties and, and Kate Crawford, and they released music in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And they were huge. Like, they they did, they were incredibly popular, toured Australia, toured the world with the support uh, act for the Beastie Boys wow. overseas. So they, they did really, really well. They released this album on Sony, I remember. So they, they did huge things, okay? And they're still doing great things, both of them, in, in different ways. Um, but, yeah, back in the day, I used to interview them, like you are doing now, on community radio. And I remember interviewing them, and I was a fan. Like, I was a dead set fan. Not like Kathy. Kathy Bates and Misery, but I was a fan. Okay, <laughs> don't want to be like that. But I was, I was like, oh my god, you guys are great, and I thought they were so old and amazing. But they're probably only like a year older than me at the time, you know. Um, anyway, so uh, they, I interviewed them quite a few times and got them on the show, and uh, then after that on, on Triple J because they were both very interested in arts as well. So um, anyway, so and they, they became a fan of you. That's right, they became a fan of me, and they asked me to be in their music video um, for this one called "We Think You're Dishy," which I did, and I'd, I'd been to the sleaze ball the night before. I'd gotten home from the ball um, and at about, I don't know, seven in the morning and went straight to Club 77, which was a, a club on Oxford Street. I don't know if it's still there. And um, it was like a dungeon, sticky carpet, disgusting oh, you gross. know venue, but also a really fantastic um, queer space. So it used to be a really amazing queer space where, um, you know, nights like Club Kooky would be on every Thursday night or, or Sunday night. It used to change. And that's not so, the case anymore? No, not the case anymore. A lot, we can talk about that at another time if you like, but um, the loss of venues, loss of safe spaces in, in Sydney. One closed down recently, which is really sad, called Phoenix. Um, anyway, that's another story. But the yeah, I went there, I remember after this massive night, massive night, you can read between the lines, and then I had to, <laughs> had to wear a boiler suit, a white boiler suit, so it was boiling hot in there, 
it was full of people and we all had to pretend we were robots and it was myself and a guy called Tim and we were the key robots in our boiler suits doing a special stupid dance with our hands up in the air and um, it's called We Think You're Dishy from, and, oh. from Biff Tech and it was a really amazing track and, and Kate um, who's half of Biff Tech is now one of my dearest friends in the universe and that's awesome. I adore her so you know she lives overseas we go and you know visit each other so if that was listening. one of those great you were asking me earlier about great friendships that I've had that is probably the most significant one I would say yeah that's awesome yes so I, I haven't made gone, any friends through the show yet but you know I'll, like I'll I'll be still friend, oh, thank you for yeah, we're going on a hot air Yay. balloon you forgot it's like <laughs> best first date ever <laughs> it's true. so the track we've got is we think you're dishy and hey you know while you're listening to it maybe you want to also check out the YouTube clip <laughs> and see young Fenella Kernabone looking dazed it's as all get like out pinned eyes seriously <laughs> pinned eyes check it out <laughs> on FBI 94.5 this is out of the box that acid synth man arpeggios so fantastic oh it's large <laughs> Thank you. 
You're really quite I dishy. Know. Is that what they were trying to tell you when they got you to be part Get of the music memories, video? Mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe that's what they were saying. Wouldn't that be nice if that actually was true? Oh. <laughs> you are dishy, oh, Fenella. Thank you. Believe in yourself. You're, you're, you're kind. <laughs> <laughs> so are you listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5? My guest today is Fenella Kernerbone. You might know, her, might know her from many things because she does a lot of speaking <laughs> engagements and a lot of different shows, but primarily the Sound Lab has been a huge slab of her life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the Sound Slab. Um, it's true. Very good stuff and lots of arts and design things. Huh, but you, you grew up in a house that was kind of um, a bit more design-obsessed than your uh, usual Australian abode. Um, was it design-obsessed? Not really. I mean, I grew up in kind of a ramshackle Victorian one-storey house in Homebush. Mm-hmm. Um, which has since been renovated by people who bought the place post my parents. And it's the, so sad when that happens. I know. It wasn't that. Yeah, I wish they <laughs> wish it happened, but we wouldn't have been able to afford it though. It was too like you know, it, yeah. Who knows? My parents bought it in the in the seventies, like when I was literally when I was born, and um, it was just decorated and done up as though the seventies. So basically, I lived with seventies decor. For the entire time that I, the, you know, my, like my bedroom had blue carpet, blue ceilings. There was orange carpet, orange ceilings. So, oh God, that's um, so good. Original, original wallpaper, some very unattractive wallpaper, uh, which eventually um, my sister and I and, and the carpet that in, in the place we eventually pulled up. So it was a cool place, um, huge backyard, you know, really fantastic, um, great place to grow up in. But you know, those things. It was freezing, absolutely freezing. All the time. Because of the rising damp and boiling hot in summer and just, you know, yeah. it was one of those classic places that is Victorian but not necessarily designed for Australia's climate, if that makes sense. I know what you mean. So, yes, that was where I grew up. So you grew up in a bit of a religious family, I, I see. Yes, I did. Yeah. The Anglican background. I was sent off to a high Anglican church for a lot of my childhood. So Really? So boarding? No, no. not se- Well, I, I say sent off. <laughs> sent um, off. It was I, not And I apologise to anybody who, who, who enjoys and, and does, but I was, you know, I was packed off to church every Sunday morning, but also youth group and, mm-hmm. and Sunday school. And, you know, I had to... I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have a very similar experience, you know. We, I, I mean, I sort of feel like I was, um, I, you know, until... I got confirmed, which I did as soon as possible, um, I was told as soon as you're confirmed, you can make your own choices, whether you go to church or not. So I got confirmed as probably at the age of 13 or something. Sounds earlier. a bit counterintuitive. Yeah, as really early as you can in, in, the, um, in the Church of England. So yeah, so I could make a choice not to go to church anymore <laughs> because I found it very restrictive. Mm. Um, so yes, I went to church every Sunday and that is that. It was quite, it was, you know, prayers every night at dinner and... Big into the choir. Big in, yeah, oh yeah, I played, you know, but then anyway, I came back to the church later on. I'm telling all the truths now. This is terrible. Out of the box. Good title. <laughs> uh, yeah, I came back to the church in my sort of late teens because uh, my parents, who are no longer um, here, uh, 
bless their cotton socks, but they were also, I love them, but they were really, really super protective of mm-hmm. my sister and I, and we were not allowed to go out and socialise and do things after dark. And, you know, we were very, very um, kept in cotton wool, I suppose, which is fine because nothing bad ever happened to us, of course. But I desperately wanted to just socialise and make friends and go out on a Friday night like most of my friends at school did. So mm-hmm. I ended up going back to church and joining the youth group and going to a different church, And I, you know, because that means I went out on a Sunday night and then we could all have chats and hang yeah. out at night. And then I joined the youth group, which was like on Friday night. So, yeah, I kind of got back into it in my late teens at high school. Just for social reasons. So- just trying to make Pretty some much for social reasons, yeah. yeah. Can't go out and see live music, but you can see the church band. That's right, and this is also pre-internet, so I hadn't had any uh, experience of anything else really. So that was that was the ed- education that I had. So you you really only do what you know, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. So being being so entrenched in the church and growing up and being at a girls' school, it might have been a bit of a, a bit of a tricky time to come out as gay. Or did you not notice yeah, that early no, on? No, I didn't know I was uh, gay at school. I didn't really know what it meant to be honest. And mm-hmm. I think again, a lot of younger people today, uh, I hope, have more sort of positive examples and role models and a chance to kind of uh, get a great sense and and be proud of who they are. And they should be if they are young, uh, gay and lesbian uh, and, and queer and intersex uh, and bisexual people. And, and I, I do hope that they are. But I, I did not know. So I was very confused at school, but I didn't have any problems with it as such. And I also read a lot of romantic novels, but particularly things like Jane Austen and, you know, the Brontes. And they always talked about girls having crushes on girls. And it was a perfectly normal thing. That's and so it interesting. is a perfectly normal that. thing. Yeah. yeah, they always, they always, like the getting of wisdom, they, in all of these beautiful classic films, you know, have those sorts of um, examples. You know, even if you watched um, uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock, which was, you know, made you know, in the 80s, obviously, listening to that as a child, you can guarantee you, even if I really did know what I wanted to be or who I was as a, as a teenager, I wouldn't have told anybody because... What, what did he say? Well, he, I remember being in an, in an assembly. It was a Presbyterian school and he I, he did this whole big speech about how um, homosexuals... Ho- homosexuals? Homo. He probably said homosexuals. Homosexuals. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the way that people uh, the scourge, say it, it? Basically, he was talking yeah. about, you know, you know, living a lifestyle that is of sin and all that kind of crap, basically. Yeah. Terrible stuff to start talking to young, impressionable kids about. But the line that I, I will never forget and this is saying it to an an assembly full of kids at the of the age of eleven through to eighteen, I would say, but the line was homosexuals are burnt out shells of people, and I will never forget that because I think it didn't. I, I have a sort of vague recollection that myself and a bunch of my friends, who I didn't really know what what he was talking about, mind you, but we rem, I remember we all just looked at each other and went, "That's an awful thing." An absolutely appalling thing to say. Yeah, about, about anyone, anyone, yeah. anyone at all, regardless. And none of us have prejudice until it's taught to you or given to you by people like that, people in power, by your parents. And so, at that point, if you didn't have prejudice, people will hear that and they'll build that. It'll go into their system. Mm. And so, it's incredibly irresponsible of anybody to 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 talk to students, to talk to anybody, and to belittle and to to make, make people feel horrendous. Especially at that formative stage of yeah. your life when you're trying to figure out your identity. That's mm. awful. And, you know, your opinions as well. That's right. At 11. So, Jeez. Reverend, won't <sighs> say your last name. Bad you. Naughty man. <laughs> <laughs> so you must have been very pleased to get to the point where you could move out of home and move to city and, and go to uni and all that jazz? Yeah, I, well, yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, I obviously I graduated from high school, did my HSC, uh, went to uni. Um, Studied what? I, I studied communications up at UCS. Oh, me too. Yeah. Good. Did you? Yeah. How'd you go? Oh, just 
scrape by. Yeah, mine was <laughs> mine was pass fail. I'm older than Ooh. you, so there was no exams. So yeah, no, I went to uni. Uh, back, I mean, back on the. I suppose again, I didn't know what being gay was. I remember going to uni and and seeing women there and just and I with short hair and I had long hair and wore high pants and all that kind of stuff. Oh, cute. And I remember seeing you know these women and just going, ah, oh, that's what oh. that is. <laughs> Feelings. No, not I didn't even have feelings for them. I just went, oh, like I was like, what? What are they? Lesbians. So, oh, all oh, right. Oh, I get it now. Right, that makes total sense. Fantastic, cool. I've got a word for it. Isn't nice. that crazy? I was so, I was so naive. You weren't given the vocabulary. To <laughs> I even had the know. vocab, yeah. yeah. And then nice. I, then I cut my hair off, and I. I'm one you of know, you. <laughs> Bond's t-shirts. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> So we've got a track to take now, and it's uh, it's Björk. So how does oh, this yes. fit into this time in your life? Uh, well, Björk, when did this album come out? Was it 1995? Oh, gee whiz, it was Hyper Ballad. Hyper Ballad, um, the post album. Yeah. yeah, 95. So Björk is, I mean, God, she's an absolute legend, Björk. So this this album, yeah, post-1995. So I would I would have just moved out of home at the age of 19. I would have been absolutely broke. I, I couldn't get off study or any support because, I, you know, I needed to be out of home because I was gay. So, I you know, like I had to support myself. I was eating peanut butter sandwiches for dinner. You know, it's all the calories you need for a day in a tablespoon. No cash, you know. Anyway, and I I remember (laughs) listening to this album constantly. And the reason why I still adore um, this particular song is because I think it might actually be the only song I have ever heard in my entire life that has the word cutlery in the lyric. And it's a beautiful she, word. She does it, and I don't yeah. know. I don't know anybody else who could get away with it. But um, yeah, Björk managed to throw cutlery off off the cliff in this in this track, and it's fa- a favourite of mine. On out of the box, FBI ninety four point five. My name's Ash Bertabez, and my guest today is Vanilla Kernerbone. Here you go with some hyper ballad by Björk.
Still my beating heart, Björk. <laughs> You're still so so good. So good, <laughs> right? Okay, so that's Björk, hyper ballad, and I'm all feelingy and need a bit of a moment. Thank you for bringing that song on. Oh uh, yeah, how good is it? So good. Heart parts and bottles and cutlery. Cutlery. Best lyrics. Slamming. <laughs> um, yeah, just the best lyrics of all time mm. about just you know being like, you know I feel too safe with you in this relationship, so I'm just going to get up early, throw some shit off a cliff. That's right. Yeah. That's good. Understandable sentiment. Yeah, mm. I might do that tomorrow morning <laughs> after the, after the um you know the hot air balloon. Totally. Yeah. yeah. All right. Done. Man, we've got our day sorted. <laughs> it's gonna be great. So Fenella Kernabone is my guest on Out of the Box today, who brought in that song by Björk, and uh, you've you've done a good many interviews. I think it might be good to canvas a bit of that. Uh, my interviews. Yeah. That huge amount of your uh, career. I'm normally on your side of the. 
Yeah, on, exactly. On the, what do you call it? The desk. Do you feel disempowered right now? I forgot, I right forgot now? what it's even called now. The, the panel? The panel. That's yeah. right. It's been, a good, it's been a while. It's, it's great. Been... No, I don't feel disempowered at all. I love it. Oh, good. I don't have great. to do any work. Because I like having you as a guest on this show. It's been going so well so far. <laughs> so um, I can imagine that there's certain interviews that make you more nervous than others. And I just kind of really, out of personal interest, want to ask you, what is it like to interview Tilda Swinton? Uh, you know what? Tilda Swinton, that's a, that's, how did you, that's a great question, that one. Amazing work. No, I interviewed her uh, in Toronto ages ago um, when I was doing the movie show. And I know you had Jamie Leonardo on uh, last week as well. So we he did the great. movie show together. Mm. So uh, so each year while I was on that two years of difficult work, um, one of us would go over to do some of the film festivals and collate a, a whole lot of interviews. And that means doing junkets, which so essentially junkets is, are, yeah, yeah you, you have the artist in the studio or in a studio and the journalists line up like sheep or cattle and they just, you know, file in one after the other. You get four minutes with the famous person and then you're out again. It's like going to a checkout yeah, and yeah. buying it's, a couple of grocery it's, questions. It's pretty disheartening, <laughs> particularly if you enjoy a conversation mm. or, you know, and it, I mean, I never... It wasn't a great moment, I've got to say. For me, I wasn't a huge fan of those sorts of things. Never would be. You know, you need more time to get to know somebody. Totally. But Tilda Swinton, I remember people were going. She, that's a great story. She she would um, she was in the room, and I think the film was Thumbsucker. So uh, Noah Baumbach, I think the um director yeah. was, if I recall. So Keanu Reeves and a bunch of other artists or actors were in this particular film. But she was in this interview room, and all the journalists were lining up, and it was men, 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 men like men reviewers, men journalists, and a couple of women at the time. This is 10 years ago. So, and I, I was Australian and not American or, you know, and so most people also are American. And each guy would come out and I recall them going, oh, she's in a bad mood today. <laughs> Next one gets to me. And, and they're kind of trying to wig you out too because it almost becomes like a sport. So, oh, she's not in a good mood today. And, oh, she's sort of sitting a bit funny. You know what I mean? Like she's she's sitting up at the front. She's sitting, you know, and I'm like, right, well, that sounds weird. And then getting more and more nervous because I love Tilda Swinton. I think mm-hmm. she's just extraordinary. Her Majesty Tilda Swinton. Her Majesty, yeah, since, all, since Orlando when I first watched that, even through to, you know, shitty films like, you know, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. That's like, not shitty. She's the okay. Ice Queen. She's she the is the queen. actual queen. Anyway, I adore her. So I'm like, oh my God, it's Tilda Swinton. I love her. I love her. And I walked in and thinking everybody else had been going, oh, she's in a bad mood today. They couldn't get much out of her. She wasn't very nice. And I talked to her and I had the most amazing conversation. It went for longer than what, you know, the four minutes. We probably, she just kept, no, 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 you know, you stay and have a chat. Oh, that's awesome. So I had a great conversation with her um, and it was really, really fun. And she was sitting in her chair funny, but I realised that it wasn't, you know, men are just, the, the reviewers were just being weird. I was like, I understand why you're sitting. She was sitting in the seat forward so that she could keep her back straight because it was a mid shot so she was keeping her back straight she was there for hours and hours and hours being interviewed endlessly asking people asking the exact same questions so you know that's how you sit so you keep your back nice and straight because you know you get sore I got it. Anyway, and so she's fit. I was the last interview. We walked out together. We caught the lift downstairs, and it was really fantastic. And that was good. Oh, what a legendary time! I know. What a legend. Tilda Swinton gets a plus. <laughs> big plus. Big thumbs up for me plus, for plus, being plus. so sweet to a little Aussie. <laughs> awesome. And I guess with with a lot of your interviews and your playing, you know, selections of your songs on the Sound Lab, you would have launched a few Australian artists into being known. I mean, you have oh, been a bit of a, a track record of actually, you know, scoping out music that's not already. On the airwaves. I suppose so. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I would never assume to take credit for any of that because I've got to say a lot of music that I might have played on the Sound Lab would have already been played on community radio um, programs around Australia. So that I think is possibly the place where true new music is uncovered and, and, and celebrates and, and lords new music. So I, I will never pretend to be the first for everything. But in terms of a national 
um, program, I, I would hazard a guess that yes, there are a lot of artists that I've played on, on the show that would have had their first national airplay on the Sound Lab. I would have played demos or something from Unearthed uh, in the day. I mean, people would send in CDs that they'd burnt and coloured in on the front. I don't think people even do that anymore, but you know, like I'd spend hours trying to desperately to open the, the box that people had <laughs> sticky tied up. You know, they yeah. spend it's their, you know, their love, it's, their it's joy, a... their baby, and they've yeah. carefully, carefully wrapped it up. And so, I, you know, I remember playing the very early demos of Wally DeBacca or Gautier um, before he was singing on his, his yeah. tracks. So, and he, you know, I, rem- I remember playing that early on. Um, I would definitely play early CK music as well. Yeah, and early PVT. Oh, 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 yeah, Pivot, of course. I mean, yeah, there's countless examples. I can't even think of it all right now. But, you know, even artists like Animal Collective and, you know, Battles and a bunch of other artists, I remember playing those guys first, Dan Deacon, Fortet, um, you know, lots of stuff. But there's, I mean, again, as I said, there's there's a million other um, radio shows around Australia and all you've got to do is, like, do a Google search to discover some, uh, you know, there's some radio presenters that I, I still listen to today. I still check out. I mean, I check out some guys here on FBI and like who? 2SCR. Um, the guys who do uh, Monkfly, those uh, Future yeah. Face, often used to check out their playlist to see what they were playing because they were pretty ahead of the game. Uh, a couple of shows um, in uh, Perth on RTR who do some really great stuff as well. So, yeah, I, I used to... The only way, I think, as a presenter to, to stay across new music is not only to be across the blogs and what other people are doing, but it's actually to listen to your peers. So I was always very careful to try and pay attention to what was going on. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Credit to others as well. All right. Time for track. Yeah. Let's go what with... What are you going to do? Which one? Oh, you know what? It's hard because I don't think we're going to have time for all of them. So Banks. Let's go with Banks because I think we should, you know... Keep it Thanks. a little bit sexy for a moment. So, yeah, she's from LA and mm-hmm. this is news. The, and is a goddess. She's a goddess. And the album her album goddess. came out last uh-huh. year called Goddess. But she put, did the one I heard was she put out a couple of EPs, the London EP, and the production and her voice is just tip top. I mean, mm-hmm. there's something about the way that she sings that is so sexy. Um, and, you know, she's pretty sexy too, as, she, as you said. She's a bit of a goddess. But I love this track. It's called Warm Water. And I think I love it because it's a, new, a newer track thank God today I've been playing all this stuff but it's a newer track <laughs> it's and it's fine. just it's just so dead set romantic so yeah. that's that's it this is story. a love song for it's you. a love song yeah for you oh listening today beautiful <laughs> on FBI 94.5 this is out of the box with vanilla Kernerbone I'm Ash Bertabez and this is banks with warm water looking you over you don't know my name yet By the time you looked away, already knew I couldn't fake it. I got this need for you, forming in my beating heart. I knew the meaning right away, we only yesterday were worlds apart. I can whisper in your ear 
Meet people through their music. Out of the box. Starting now, the wait is over. As long as you jump the ride. Cause I won't highway walk forever. As long as you jump the ride. As long as you follow me, this is what I do. Stops at all, it never stops at all. You start your engines like a virgin as long as you try. Jonas Policewoman, Vanilla. Oh my God, that song. It's a bit emotional. <laughs> I get a feeling this has an emotional story for you because you don't just pick up songs like this no, willy-nilly. No, you don't. No, I, look, I, I wanted to play this track and I'm glad we had a chance to put it in because, um, I mean, you know, my, my parents have both died. They both died within a year and a half of each other. But when Rough. my mum was, yeah, well, you know, stuff happens. But when mum was dying, I used to drive her car to the hospital and back for maybe it felt like six months it was probably like four months and I played this track on repeat on repeat on repeat it was just like the soundtrack to this incredibly difficult powerful time do you but think I it helped you get but that's why we're finding it out early because I never got to the end of the song because there's something about Jonah's policewoman's voice this track's called The Ride mm. that just oh, just killed me and I wasn't crying like I wasn't you know I'm not a terribly maudlin person contrary to the music I might have played today <laughs> like I'm not you know not all melancholy but there's just something about it that I found really empowering and you know obviously very telling and there was the ride and I'm like this is a terrible ride and this is great but I just hit it before she even got to the end which gets a bit kind of jazzy and stuff like that but that yeah that track that just all that says to me is that 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 journey from the city through to Hornsby Put you right and back, back there. again yeah yeah, yeah. oh Oh, rough. Dark. Sorry. Well, you know what? We're going to have a complete... I'm quite happy, I promise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> music fine otherwise. <laughs> We're going to have a complete change of pace in a second, like utterly worlds away from Jonah's policewoman. Yes. But first I want to say goodbye because oh. it's been a fantastic hour and it's up. Oh, my gosh. 
Thank you so much for having me. What fun. It's had it's what a great been show. Great. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Like I put these on a burn, burnable disc so that you can actually keep them and then years later when you find them then you remember what was important to you from your, you know, your discography of your life at the time. So I'm going to keep one of these. Oh good. That would be great. Well, thank you, Ash. <laughs> yeah, no worries. And definitely if you're listening and you like music, you like Australian electronic music, you like seeing how music is made, Trackwork is the podcast you've got to download. It's fantastic. I've listened to every episode and there's another episode coming out today from friendships that I can't wait to hear. So Fenella Kernabone, thank you so much. Thank you. And our last track is Gobbledygook from Sigiros, my favourite band yep. in the universe. Off the album Miesuthiervespilomendolest. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Did you make that up? No, that's actually it's it's with a buzz in our ears, we play endlessly. I can't believe you can say that in Icelandic. It's probably if someone Icelandic was listening, they'd probably be like, you suck. That's but pretty, yeah, <laughs> it's roughly I've never the, even tried. It <laughs> all right. Well it's it's one of my favourite all time songs, so thanks for bringing this in. We'll crank it. One of mine too. Thank you. Sister, I'll go to